Welcome to AM Best Audio. Technology is changing the insurance ecosystem at what can only be described as breakneck speed. From data and analytics to IoT and, of course, AI. I'm John Weber for Best Review Magazine, and I'm speaking today to Arun Balakrishnan, CEO of Exceedance. Arun, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much, John. And Arun, let's get started with uh, how can insurers effectively leverage data and analytics for better underwriting processes? John, I mean, if I look back at the history of Exceedance as well, we've had a number of companies approach us that, you know, uh, we want to automate our underwriting process using data and AI. And the usual frontier tends to be, can we find a way to automate the responses of all these underwriting questions, you know? Can we get it from the web, public sources, so that the customers have to enter minimal information? That's usually the path many are approaching with this, but the question we ask them always is, why these questions? Right? I mean, if you think about it, these underwriting questions were designed about 30 or 40 years ago, maybe earlier, right? And it was in a world wherein the number of sources of data which we had, the live data being generated, everything, uh, was not the same. Right? So in some ways, our belief is uh, uh, insurers, MGAs, carriers across the world are trying to use data to automate an existing process, whereas I think there could be room and opportunity to take a bit of a fresh approach to the whole thing, to design a set of underwriting questions which could theoretically be catered to the world we live in today. That, I'm afraid, we're not seeing as many challenged, you know, you know uh, the line there, so to say. So uh, I feel there's a big opportunity for insurers if we, they were willing to kind of go back to the drawing board. Okay, let's, if you're writing an auto policy, if you have to design an underwriting framework for it, what really needs to be asked? What can we get from public sources? What can we get from consent-based sources like your own mobile phone and things like that? So um, to summarize, I think there are 100 ways which could do it. We're still not doing it as much, in my opinion, but, you know, the company's challenging it. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about predictive modeling. Can can insurers use that to anticipate claims, trends, and also customer behavior? So uh, I I think sometimes the insurance industry doesn't get painted in the best light. So I, I think predictive modeling has been happening in the insurance industries forever. Right? I think uh, people tend to think that we're not using it. Predict- the original, you know, uh, I like to say the OGs of data science and predictive modeling is actuaries and insurers. I mean, we've always been trying to look at data to predict claims trends, pricing, everything. I think what people tend to, to ask when they're referring to predictive modeling is using computational methods and, you know, you know uh, high computational power to do predictive modeling. And I think even that has been done by insurance industry for a while now, right? So if you think about our friends at RMS and AIR and the CAT modeling firms, they've been doing it since the 90s, right? So it's not like the insurance industry has not been using computational methods to do predictive modeling either across claims or, um, uh, you know, underwriting. Uh, But I think there's opportunities to do more of it, right? Because what the computational power allows today in conjunction with the data available out there um, a lot more is possible. So there are ways we could do it in claims, for example, um, trying to leverage social feeds uh, into predictive modeling or you know, uh, looking at granular individual risk-based information even for 
uh, individual policies and not business policy. I think there are a lot of ways to do it. Um, and one of the frontiers right now is uh, large language models and generative AI. And the possibilities which have opened up because of that is, quite frankly, you know, infinite, right? So, again, multiple ways, but it's not like the industry has not been doing it. The industry has been adopting it. We just called it a bit differently, that's all. <laughs> You know, there are increasing concerns regarding privacy and data security among insurance customers. Do you think insurers can strike a balance between privacy and data security and meeting their customer needs? Yes. Uh, Firstly, I think that concern is legitimate. Um, And uh, I think privacy and data, how you leverage that into involving into, you know, your underwriting methods, pricing or whatever you call it, uh, is important. But technology today is allowing for that to be done in a manner without it being, uh, without it invading anybody's privacy. To give you an example, essentially most of these transformers and large language models, they were based on this, you know, early, about a decade ago it came out called Word to Vec, which essentially converts every, you know, written word into a numerical number and how you can use that to do all your analysis without actually diving into personal information, which is, you can tie back to it. So there are technologies which allow today to do it. The reality is nobody has this kind of information as insurers do. I mean, it's the best people to actually innovate and leverage this is not from people from outside the industry. It's actually the insurers themselves because the amount, the plethora of information they have is unsurpassed. Uh, but and but technology today allows to do it in a manner without uh, breaching privacy, um, without breaching data issues. It just uh, ensures being made aware of that and adopt, adopting those technologies. Are there strategies that insurers can use to prevent fraudulent claims using data and analytics? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, so John, I mean, say always data and analytics it is possible to do it. It's, it's about the quality of data and the source of data and the volume of data, right? And is this data distinctive from what you're already generating? One of the biggest areas, in my opinion, is workers' comp, right? I think uh, workers' comp, we've always known about the Monday morning workplace incidents, right? So who to say it happened over the weekend versus now? But today, every person is generating a digital footprint, you know, of where they were, how they went about, um, you know, how they spent their time, what they were doing. So if you look at some of these, and we inv- the, even it is without invasion of in, in the privacy, people's public sources of information can tell you a lot about these workers' comp incidents. So th- there's a good avenue to actually you know, reduce claims and identify these fraudulent claims just by leveraging your social footprint. Um, many companies are attempting to do it. Many companies are doing it as well. Um, but it's just that the scale of it is yet uh, to be adopted in a manner wherein we can really eliminate claims. Uh, but that, to me, is a good example of how we can leverage the additional data we're generating today to reduce uh, fraudulent claims. So everybody's talking about the customer experience, right? How can insurers use data and analytics to enhance the customer experience and even personalize offerings and, and target customers as well? I think one of the elements wherein, um, okay, I have a personal favorite in this one is because I think the focus of the insurance industry is around 
claims. It should be around claims. That's what the business is, right? And in the end, the quotient which uh, on which insurers, MGAs, anybody needs to really rank well on is the empathy. Uh, often when we uh, the customers reach out to insurers for claims, it's at a point in time in their life wherein they're facing a severe hardship, financial or personal, and how we can respond to these uh, with a high degree of empathy uh, actually helps in the industry or the people within this industry stand out, right? If we were to leverage data analytics and the tools we have available today to improve the quotient on empathy when somebody approaches for claims, I think that's probably one of the best places we should focus on. From a customer experience perspective, uh, I mean, that we naturally gravitate towards improving the buying experience or how they buy an insurance policy. Can that The real area where we can differ, make a difference is if we can improve the customer experience at the time of claim. And... The best way to do is improving our empathy quotient. And how can we improve on empathy is when we have more information. If our claims handlers, claims adjusters have more timely information about the customer, where they are, what they're experiencing, how we can help them, that's wherein we might not get the best return on dollar, but we'll get the best return on experience. We'll get the, the, the industry will get its attention and true worth as it should rightfully <laughs> Uh, let's take a little bit deeper into that, being yeah. that you're talking about claims. Speed is vital when it comes to claims, right? Yes. So how, how can insurers use data and analytics to enhance the speed of settling claims? I, I think I, you know, the only caution I would say, John, is I think pace is not everything. It is important and often important for timely resolution of claim, both in the interest of the insured as well as the insurer. Right, uh, because you know the longer the claim drags out, the cost to the insurer to get that settled is exponentially higher than what it would be. And at the same time, if it's for genuine claims, the the, the longer it takes is not good for the customer too. Right, so pace I think is good to an extent. Right, but trying to you know uh, get uh, just settle it for the sake of it that also is not optimal. So keeping that in mind, I think the best way data and analytics could be used today in increasing the speed of resolution is getting timely reporting of when the claim happened and all information associated with that then and there as soon as possible. You know, simple things like, you know, when you have an auto accident that your phone can at that point of time capture a lot of real-time information, right? Not just the incident, the state of your car, where exactly happened, FNL getting created, all that process can help eliminate a lot of the initial footprint of a claim which actually delays the process, right? So that's one part we can address it. Second is if we can use, um, you know, data and analytics, and by that I mean publicly available data to get information associated with a claim quickly before the adjusters, not just what the insurers had to send. So again, those will help. Um, if we focus on getting the data and the situation information collected in a fast manner and put it before an adjuster for decision making, I think that's that will help the industry a lot. We don't necessarily try to accelerate the adjusting process because something needs to be given as due course and due time as well, right? So I would focus more on getting and collecting all in associated information from about the claim, from the claimant, as well as other public sources as quickly as possible before the adjusters. That should be the focus of us trying to, you know, improve upon the pace. 
Let's talk about another data source, Internet of Things. You heard of it, right? <laughs> IoT. Yeah. How should insurers be using IoT data to enhance product offerings? My candid opinion is if insurers alone decide to do it, that's not enough. Right? I mean, there are enough good examples of insurers attempting to make product changes based on IoT. But then, you know, if that product is not going to get the right support from the distributors, it's not going to get the right support from regulators uh, to accept it, it won't go anywhere. Like, for, for example, I'll give you a, a good a product like cyber, right? So cyber is a very interesting product. And I think fundamentally, the more measures we build around it, around preventative and real-time information, that's when you can price it accurately. When you're trying to, as a business, if I give you reports around our penetration testing and uh, uh, all our endpoints of uh, devices for our customer for our teammates are you know updated for all real s- the, the latest software and everything but during the policy year i don't maintain it uh, you, the vulnerability increases a lot right so ideally a good cyber policy in my opinion is something today the technology is out there to real time track an organization's footprint its endpoint device security, how how latest are you with the patches, the antiviruses, everything. And if you're 90% and above, great, you get your premium is X. If you fall back on it, next month the premium goes up. If you keep that, you get a good behavior discount. But keeping a real-time or a monthly premium associated with this, in my opinion, is a good and a better product for something like cyber. I mean, I can understand why distributors find it very hard to sell it to customers. Regulators would need to accept and create a, uh, a, a, a have a policy which can actually have varying degree of premium throughout the year. So where I'm going again with this is IoT is key. Adoption of IoT will change the landscape of products. It will change the landscape of how existing products are sold. But I think we are being unfair if we say only insurers need to do it. I think everybody needs to adopt to it, adapt to it, uh, including the customers, the distributors, regulators, everything. And collectively, if we all feel this will get the society in a better direction by changing how the products are constructed, I, I think it's a good outcome. There so many examples. Home is a great example. You know, your home alarm systems and everything being linked to your policy. Um, your auto, like your cars are becoming like, it's more a software platform than a hardware platform. Your cars are, can have real-time policies. So, there are numerous avenues available to incorporate IoT into insurance products, but they need to be done in a manner wherein the whole ecosystem is accepting it, not just the insurers. That being the case, do you think insurers face ethical questions when it comes to data and analytics, and, and how should they approach transparency if they do? Uh, yes, we do. And I think... Data, when you say, when we're talking about data and analytics and adopting to that, let's talk about a world before early 23, before, you know, we saw the examples and potential of LLM and chat GPT and everything and before that, right? In that world, you had the data, it was really confined to how, you know, you were leveraging it. By you, I mean an individual insurer or things like that. So obviously the questions around ethics and all, are important because inherently the data is a reflection of your underwriting process, your products, your customer profiles, and everything. 
subconsciously bias is getting built into the data. We don't know about it. We might not have consciously tried to do it, but there is some bias which is getting into the data. Now, if we were relying on historical information data and all again and making decisions of that basis, we would still be presented with choices and we can make those ethical calls come 2023 and generative AI and these large language models, my concern is they have been trained historically on information available in the internet, the large volume of data, everything. And I'm not 100% certain that we have addressed these uh, LLMs for the bias they inherently have. It is not good for the industry if we were to blindly adopt that, right? So um, I, 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 I think the first step is always recognizing that inadvertently we are creating bias within any data set. It's not conscious, it's unconscious, but bias gets built in. Whether we need to to work around it, work with it, or eliminate it is on us to decide. And that's what will distinguish the the right framework. That's where the policyholders come in, the, the, the regulators come in, the, the industry comes in. But um, I wish I had a good suggestion there i can only raise a concern at the moment i don't but uh, you're right that that's something the industry should think about interesting so i've got to ask how is exceedance helping insurers meet the technological and data and analytics needs of the 21st century in in multiple ways john i think one of the the best examples one of the best set of people we like to work with is companies who recognize that they want to adopt a more digital way of operating a target operating model within their business which is more digitally enabled and by that i don't mean just customer interactions right it's it's about how your internal teams are functioning, how your ops team are interacting with your technology teams, with your actuarial teams, and with underwriting teams. And essentially, Exceedance tries to work with uh, insurers in enabling a good digital workflow across all their internal teams. Right. So that that's one way I can think of right away. <laughs> Arun, a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, John. It was a pleasure talking to you as well. That was Arun Balakrishna. CEO of Exceedance, and I'm John Weber for Best Review Magazine. Looking to get the attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms to do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day, Find out more by contacting our Advertising Services Business Development Team at 908-882-1706.